Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be with you once again here on the show. Uh, this week, I'm excited because we're bringing someone back who it has actually been this being episode 178 will be mean it's been 155 episodes since he's been on the show. We first recorded in September of 2019. And so, you know, I like to bring people back and check in on how they're doing. And this is this is one of the longest throwbacks. So I'm just really excited for us to catch up with this guy and talk about everything that's been going on and get some. We'll, we'll, I think we're going to have a really good discussion about how these journeys really are journeys. So let's not keep you from this person anymore. His name is Nick Corvino. Nick, how are you doing today? What's going on, Gormy? I'm pretty good. How is everything with you? I'm doing okay, man. I'm good. I'm here. I'm glad we're talking. It's been, you know, we've been we've been connected on the interwebs for, for a long time, but it's always good to hear your voice. I, I'm excited to have you here again, man. And so Absolutely. It's been at least I think I've I think I've like been following you or like We've shared our journey for about four or five years now. Even three, I think it was three years since I was on the podcast, but been talking to you for at least four or five years via Instagram. Yeah, so it's a you know the wonderful we we could probably spend an hour talking about what Instagram was like four years ago versus what Instagram is like now. But for sure, that's not really this podcast. You know, no, not. I, I don't want to start. I don't want to automatically sound like a crotchety old man on talking about the interweb. <laughs> so we'll we'll keep people from that, man. But let's. You know, we're going to get started, and I thought a good way for us to do this, you know, I always ask, you know, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? You were on 150-plus episodes ago, so there are probably some people listening who joined us f- further along in the series or listened to your episode three years ago. So let, let's start kind of with a recap of, of, yep. of your journey, and we'll just we'll start talking, man. For sure. So um, always a big guy my entire life. Um when I was 25 years old, I kind of had had enough of it. I was roughly 400 pounds. I never officially got a starting weight of when I officially was like, this is it. I am starting this. But um, six months, I would say, before I started the journey, I was 380 pounds on a hospital scale. I wasn't the one in the hospital. I was visiting someone. But I was like, whoa. And give it another six months. The way I was eating, it probably would have put on another 20 pounds. So... When I started my weight loss slash keto slash paleo kind of journey here, um, I was probably near 400 pounds. So that was about six years ago. So I talked to you three years into it, and now I'm three years you know, removed from that. Um, what I did along the way was I um, did keto, did paleo, and I did CrossFit. I kind of drank that Kool-Aid for a long time, and I was able to lose i started crossfit i think of december of 2016 or 15 and i was able to lose 50 pounds in six months and then i put 
uh, a keto paleo diet into play, you know, timed eating, all of the things that we all worry about timed eating. What am I eating? What are the ingredients? Am I staying beneath my carb limit? You know, I need to avoid sugar, all of this. Um, doing that combined with CrossFit, I was able to lose double what I lost in six months, but in six weeks. So I lost 50 pounds in six weeks, which brought me to below 300 pounds for the first time since I was 15 years old. So give you an idea of how long I had been going through it. And that was at 26, I weighed the same thing I weighed at 16. So I'm sure I, and I've, so I've lived it. I've done it. Um, it's been three years since I last talked to you. I was, I think I was roughly 280, between 280 and 300 when I last spoke to you in 2019. Before that, I had, I think I, when I had spoke to you in 2019, I was coming off putting on like 30 or 40. And here we are in the same spot three years later, and I'm coming off to you after a significant weight loss. And now a couple months of, I don't want to say bad habits, but um, lenient habits or, you know, little or self-serving habits yeah, or so, indulgent habits, you know, yeah, all so, of these things. So let's get into kind of like the past three years, man, like where, mm-hmm. you know, 2019, like you said in that you were in that 280 range had to, had just put some back on, like where, where did you head from there? So I think like everybody else pandemic, you know, you don't know what's going on. F- food delivery. You're being called a hero for ordering food delivery. Mm-hmm. Which I think you would, uh, Gormy, you would agree that like if that was happening when we were at our worst, we would have had purple hearts. Oh yeah, like <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Hmm. I well, I I I was just amazed, you know, not to tangent on it too much. Like just how you know, I used to use grocery delivery, you know, when I was over five hundred pounds because I couldn't grocery shop, and here was everyone fighting to find times available to get grocery deliveries because the whole world was doing it. Like it was, it was everywhere. I was luckily I wasn't afraid to grocery shop, but again, I was, I kind of fell back into it. Last time I spoke to you, I was delivering pizza beginning of the pandemic, early pandemic. I was still doing that, especially since it was so lucrative. My main job is a teacher, but I think, you know, most teachers all, all work side hustles of some sort. So I was delivering pizza and we didn't have, we, we didn't have a physical school. So I was able to kind of work as much as I could delivering pizza and being around that environment still led to bad habits. I would say for the first six months of the pandemic. So I, up until a year after I talked to you, I wasn't on a strict diet. I was working out. I was still doing CrossFit um, when the gym finally did come back in the summer of 2020. But I stopped delivering pizza right around the fall of 2020, I would say. So another year of that. And around September, I was 320 pounds. And that was 2020. So I ballooned myself back up. Not where I was, but I was letting, you know, I hit a number where I was like, nope, no more. Can't do this. So put my foot down from September 2020 on, I would say until August of 2021. I worked out. I ate clean through birthdays, through holidays. And, you know, I have to thank my parents, my aunt and my uncle, anybody who came over during the holidays. Like my parents were kind enough to not put anything out. Like everybody ate keto for the holidays for the family, like incredibly supportive, like support group I have. And I know not many people get to have that. 
And I just want to say, if they're listening, I appreciate it very much. And what do you, you know, what's your insight into the, 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 where your head's at during a regain? Like, what, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on? Cause like you said, you come to a point where you're like enough, but there's a lot of people, you know, I think especially people that don't haven't been through it, look at it and they're like, well, if I put on 10 pounds, I would automatically know that that was enough. Like what's, what are your thoughts it, on like, it becomes what like? mindless. It becomes like comforting. Mm. I think there is a little bit of, um, again, I hate to use this analogy. I think I talked about on the last one, there is a sort of a drug effect to it. And an addict, I, I definitely, you know, this is me. I'm not speaking for any listeners, but I think when you get to be the size, there definitely becomes a, an addict's mindset. And it's difficult, you know, obviously it's difficult to deal with because, you know, whereas like if you're doing, if you're an addict on a drug or alcohol, like you can live without your, and I'm sure people have said this, you can live without your drug, you can live without your alcohol. You have to have food to survive. So it's just something that's un completely unavoidable. And there's, there, like I said, there's a comfort that comes with it. And like I said, I have an incredible support system, but early on in life, and it's not that it's not to any fault of their own, but when I was younger, if I felt an emotion, whether it be happiness, sadness, whatever, oh, hey, let's eat. Feeling good? Let's eat. Oh, something's wrong? Here, let me give you, you know, here's some chicken parm, whatever it might be. So you have that from an early onset age as a child, like, I feel like that carries through and it's hard to break that. Like, Oh, I have this emotion. I'm looking, I'm seeking comfort now in food after that emotion. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and I think it's almost like in a lot of ways, those habits are like muscles that get developed or, or, you know, grooves in the sidewalk that get, get worn down. And so the water is going to flow in that direction when the water can flow. Like it's, because I, I, I think one of the things, you know, and I, I discussed this on another recent episode, like, because even if uh, those habits are developed through trauma or experiences or how we handle emotion, even even when we go through the work to work on those emotions, to work on that trauma, to work on those different things, the habit's still there. You know, those pathways are still there. Like, just it, being able to acknowledge where something comes from doesn't make it go away. And I think that's the part that some people struggle with and beat themselves up for. You know, it's like, well, I did all the work. Why, why haven't I changed? Like, you know, I, I hear it from clients all the time. Like they've been doing the work, you know, they put a solid year in, they've transformed their bodies. They've done, and then they have an episode where binge behavior comes back and they immediately want to beat themselves up and say, well, why did I turn to that again? You know, like I thought that was gone. I thought that was gone. And, and I go back to that place of it's, it's when we get, have enough hubris or enough kind of like, pride to think i've i've conquered these demons that they're gone forever that they come back you know that they that they come back they they whip around it's about you know how do you build the mindfulness that can be there constantly and and it's exhausting to be mindful 24 7 is the other part of all of this like it's it's exhausting like you know there are times where it can be okay to say you know i there's things i want to work on right now and then there's things that i i just don't have the energy to work on right now you know, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on taking care of myself and staying safe. And maybe there's some other pieces of that, that I should be doing, but I'm not doing that right now just because I know I don't want to push myself to a breaking point. Right. 
And that's not just, I'm, I've learned this only recently, that's not just fat guy behavior. I mean, the owner of my gym, um, um, don't want to shout him out to make him feel bad, but like he essentially helped me like give me this diet. Or he gets, uh, I think I said this last time, I have a 30-page PDF on just low-carb, proper health and nutrition, you know, when it comes to diet, sleep, mindset, all of it. And he wrote the playbook for me, and not just for me, but for a lot of people. And it's a great playbook, but even he struggles to keep up with it. And this is a guy who's been 180 pounds since he was 16 years old every, every, every day. Like, just even he struggles with, like, staying the course and staying that disciplined and, like, he has moments where he falls off the wagon, which I didn't think was a thing. So there are, it, it what has given me a little bit of like ease or comfort uh, is that even people who are, you know, healthy, top of the, you know, the, the fittest of the fit still struggle with this same kind of thing. And I think that also becomes of like ease of access of when it comes to, you know, bad food, you know, look at all the fast food restaurants you know, there's people who live in, uh, what I've, uh, what are called food deserts. Like it, it's very, very easily to, to fall back into this trap because of the, the culture we live in. We spoke on Instagram before, if you, you know, that those algorithms, you have to curate your algorithm to make sure that you're not looking at food almost, at least in my perspective of it. Like I have to curate and make sure I'm not looking at pizza or desserts or something that I can't look at it because if I'm on my phone, then I'm thinking about that food and like, I want it. And I think that doesn't help also. Like when you fall back into these like cycles. Oh, for sure. And where, so you were talking about fall of 2021, you know, kind of mm -hmm. take us, take us from fall of 21 to today. Just, I was, like I said, I was like 300, uh, I was roughly 320 and, or excuse me, this would be fall of 2020. I was 320, um, September, of the pandemic. So like a little early on still, I, you know, about six months into it. That's when I had kind of had enough. My gym had re the CrossFit gym had reopened. So I went back to doing that. And I also started going to a supplemental gym, like a, uh, an LA fitness near me. So I was going to gyms and then I got kind of, I got down to 245 pounds, lowest I've ever been. I'll send, I'll send you, uh, one of the pictures, but like, the best shape I'd ever been in my life at 30 years old. This took me to my, my, I was 245 on my birthday, my 30th birthday. So I've put on 50 pounds in a year since then, but at the time period of it, 250 birthday, I'm, uh, uh, two weeks before my birthday, I'm lifting in the gym, the LA fitness gym, not the CrossFit gym. And I get a shooting pain down my left side of my neck. So, and down my shoulder and I feel it like my fingertips, go, my, my middle fingertip goes numb. So I'm like, okay, I need to stop. I call a, a, a PT, a physical therapist near me that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, I need an appointment like today. Luckily I was able to go in, get an x-ray, get looked at, get worked on. A couple weeks later, do the MRI. I have herniated disc in both my neck and my back. So they had worked on me. They're pain free, but you know, if I went back, I was still going to the gym while getting physical therapy. And like, if I did anything overhead or if I did one little, you know, one little wrong move, I would feel that pain. So like I got complacent. I definitely did. I, it's, it's been harder going to the, getting to the gym, which was something that was easy for me. Again, we talked about, you talked about like water, you know, how water flows. 
water's flowing in the direction of like health. You know, I'm eating right. I haven't messed up. I was going through holidays eating healthy. I was doing everything the right way, working out, doing the best I could. And then like, oh, set back here with the injury and then had another injury, had an Achilles issue that I had to go to the same physical therapist for. So I just kept being like setback after setback trying to get into the gym. And with that, you know, like got to try to stay that stick with the diet, but like just the comforts of being home, it got to be a little too much. And obviously just kind of mindlessly fell back into improper eating in the old ways. And I'm sure everybody, you know, everybody goes through it here and there. And that's kind of where I'm at. I would say the last year I've put on like 50 pounds, I would say since then it is what it is. It happens. Um, I'm trying to, I'm in the process of fighting out of it now. I, uh, I actually put on 60 pounds. I got back up over 300 again within a year. And luckily the last couple of weeks I've been able to stay the course, get to the gym, not nearly as much as I would and not nearly to the extent of which I would go to the gym at, but I've been able to lose like 10 pounds in the last two weeks. So I'm seeing a little progress. Mm-hmm. And, and things are going well. Yeah. And and obviously the purpose of me saying, yeah, let's get you back on the show. Like the funny thing is, I think we'd you you would reached out to me back probably when you were at that lowest point. And, you know, you're like, I'm available to come back on the show. And I think we just kind of like we played kind of Instagram tag for a little bit. And then I, I was circling back around and I'm like, hey, we never did that. Like, let's reach out and do that. You know, and you you let me know kind of like where things are at. And I I wasn't thinking, OK, let's. Let's get Nick on the show and shame him. Like, let's, let's, no, no, let's no, you know, like, not. let's, let, cause I don't, I, I, I more was coming from the perspective of like, I think this is a real, a real part of when people say, wait, and it's funny cause you'll, you'll see influencers all the time, you know, say, you know, weight loss isn't linear and progress isn't linear and challenges come back, you know, and all, and it's, it's a, that's a fantastic message for people, but it, it actually looks like a real thing, you know, for, for people. And especially when you're someone that struggles not only with food in an addictive way, but when you've been significantly overweight, when you've been 400 pounds, when you've been 500 pounds, 50 pounds mentally is not that big of a, a, a red flag because I'm still moving. You know, I mean, I'm not in that place where I was before, so I'm not that bad. So whereas someone else might be like, holy crap, I could never, you know, if I did that, I, my whole life would change. And it's like, well, the reality is it doesn't. So the only way you change it is, is by grabbing those reins again and kind of getting back into it. And, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I, I'm really curious about, like your perspective on, you know, as someone who has been in this place of following, you know, like you were talking about, you know, kind of like the keto paleo style diet and then kind of giving into bad eating habits and, and kind of moving in through waves with that. Like, do you, is there something about, that style of eating that you think makes, you know, creates those challenges for you? Like, or oh, oh, is for it... sure, for sure. Because, you know, all of the best foods are things that aren't like, aren't necessarily low in sugar. And I don't like, I don't do well with substitutes either. I'm more of like an all or nothing type. And I like, I have to fight through that, but, um, I've done the substitute thing and it has worked in the past for sure. But like, um, with the sugar substitutes and trying to stay paleo with it, it's like, there is issues with like that, those like, um, monk fruits or the, uh, what's the erythritol, the erythritol, like it runs through me 
to not gross out any listeners, but like, you know, for holidays, we would do like keto treats for sure. My, my family would help me out with some keto treats, like, you know, pecan, there was like a pecan pie we did that was fantastic. And like everybody who ate it was like, yeah, you know, it was good, but not great. Not like taste wise either. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, that also is like when you're trying to be perfect, you know, almost, or you're trying to make sure you don't have any slip ups, you know, that doesn't help either. I would say like, it just doesn't make you feel good. Like you're good. At least when I do it, I try to go for overall wellness and not just, um, numbers on a scale. And that's not for anybody who just goes for numbers on a scale. Obviously numbers on a scale mean a lot to me too. Like it's, it's the end, it's, I don't want to say it's the end all be all, but it's always number one for me. So, you know, like, yes, those, those substitutes help with numbers on a scale, but they also don't help with, for me, with overall wellness, like mentally, absolutely. Like that will having a, uh, a no bake keto cheesecake, let's say that's very easy to make. Like mentally that will satisfy me and like, okay, I'm not craving sugar and that will make me feel a little bit better. But the trade-off is like, you know, like, you know, the meme, the trade deal I get something that tastes like sugar, but I, my body gets, uh, this to run through them. Mm -hmm. So, which, and I think that's like one of the biggest things that is, is often not really talked about, you know, in the keto space, you know, it is to some extent, but I, I think sometimes too often you see people talking about how, like you said, like how great this new, this no bake keto cheesecake is, or these new keto cookies being sold. They're fantastic. And this is great. And whereas I think the reality is it's more about hoping and praying that it's going to be as good as the quote unquote real thing. You know, it's like, I want it to be as good as the real thing. And then someone who is regularly eating the real thing, who doesn't, you know, isn't a keto person, isn't, doesn't struggle with those issues or anything along those lines, tries it. And they're like, this doesn't really taste like that at all. And you realize that there's just so much projection in our heads of, I, I want this to be that for me. And I think, to some extent for some folks, you know, and it's good if it's not something that happens for you. Like I always talk about it as something where it's like you have an itch in the middle of your back and you're trying to scratch it, but you can't reach it, but you're still trying to scratch it. Like in those, for the keto treats in a lot of ways are like scratching. Like I like there, my, my go-to example is, is there are, there are some quote unquote keto cookies that are tasty. They taste good. You know, there's a couple, especially more the small batch brand, small ones, I think, than some of the bigger company ones. But they're, yeah, like in, none of those, like, but they're, they're tasty. But at the end of the day, they're not a cookie because you no. can't get, you can't get the same texture. You're not getting the same flavors or right. especially so why, you're, you're using sugar alcohol. So it's like, this right. Tastes, with this my tastes, mindset, if no, if go my ahead. mindset, like, I'm not going to like, yes, it, it gives me that, but like. Uh, if I'm going to go suffer through like this bodily, like, I don't want to say harm, but like what it does to my body, I'd rather just have the real thing and do what that suffered, you know, what the suffer that cause on my body mm -hmm. instead. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing, erythritol, there are some people, it's one of those things that, like you said, it runs through them for other people. It doesn't, but it still tastes like toothpaste. If, if it's not imbalanced with something like it's, you know, it's like, why do I have this weird minty cooling effect in my mouth? And I'm eating something chocolate. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's coming from those, those things that we're trying to use. And I think sometimes people go down this path of chasing the substitutes to the point that all they want is the real thing, you know, and they're not realizing that kind of like that dragon they're building by chasing the substitutes, like, but it's about finding what 
ends up working for you in the end. And I think a big thing, like I recognize in, in what you're talking about and what I see, you know, even in my own experiences is realizing that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what food plan I'm following. You know, if it's a food plan that I can live with and I feel good and thrive on, that's what I'm looking for. But my issues with quote unquote going off aren't because it was too restrictive or it was, you know, it was something that just wasn't sustainable for me or it didn't feel good or anything along those lines. Like it's because of these other issues and these other sense memories I have with these other foods and emotional coping pieces and all of those things. Like it's got nothing to do with, because, you know, like it's, I, I've had people over the years because I've, I've been pretty prol- prolific in sharing my love of, of a Reese's peanut butter cup on the, on the internet. Yep. And I know I'm very well aware. And what Between I love Reese's, there, listen, Bama, Bama rules. I just want to say that Bama rules and Reese's peanut butter cups also mm-hmm. rules. So when we speak on your Instagram, Bama rules as those as the, do the peanut butter cups. And of course, right now, I don't know if you've seen, there are a ton of, of memes and people going around talking, especially in the keto space about there's an, a preservative ingredient in a Reese's peanut butter cup that causes that, may cause all of these other dysfunctions in people's lives. And they're like, so, in, and the, so then they always kind of end their post with instead try this one instead try the, And every time they get to the, try this one, I'm like, I've had that and it's garbage. I've had that. And it's like chalk dipped in flavorless chocolate. Like it's not the same thing, you know, and, and I'm not sitting here telling people to go eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. But what I'm saying is don't try to chase a Reese's peanut butter cup meaning you're trying 15, 16 different other ones to try to get to there. It's like, if having one Reese's peanut butter cup got you through, then do that. But if having one Reese's peanut butter cup triggers you to have 15 Reese's peanut butter cups, maybe not try to chase Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, I used to work in a, I used to work in a keto store that had these amazing, there are a ton of amazing local keto bakeries here in San Diego. Yeah, um, I remember you. Uh, that yeah. I remember the, your post from that place. Those or, places that, like, that always look awesome. And they, they make some fantastic stuff. But I would always, you know, interacting with customers who would come in and be like, okay, for the, I'm getting my cupcakes for the week. I need seven cupcakes so I can have a cupcake every day. Or they would come in looking for like Lily's chocolate or things along those lines because I can't, I can't go to bed unless I have chocolate at night is something someone said to me once. And I said, maybe it's not about finding the perfect keto cupcake or the perfect keto chocolate. Maybe it's about realizing that relationship you have with cupcakes and chocolate. And the, the place they occupy in your life, like that place that they, they live in, in your head, like maybe that's something that needs to be examined. So especially, I mean, this is something, you know, a lot of keto people don't like to talk about, you know, which is calories, the calorie monster, um, because, you know, you, you don't have to worry about calories on keto, apparently. Uh, I say that in quotes because I don't believe that at all. But, you know, a, a keto cupcake might have two or three times the calories of a regular cupcake. So if you were if you had one regular cupcake, yeah, you might not have had the best digestive experience with it if you haven't been eating wheat in a while and all of those sorts of things, and it's going to trigger cravings. But if you're eating two keto cupcakes at night, thinking, "Well, I'm fine because there's only eight net grams, eight grams of net carbs between these two cupcakes," you've eaten 900 calories in cupcakes, like right, and and net carbs, you know, like you know, they the sugar alcohols are deducted off the carbs, but like. How does that work? I don't know how that works scientifically or like legally. Uh, that's a that's a whole, and, you know, and really at the end of the day, like it's one of the things that the Keto Road, John, who's been on this show, who, you know, I work with coaching, you know, one of the things that he says is, yes, you may be someone who your body isn't, there are some people's bodies that process 
a caloric load from some of those ingredients and some people don't. But even if you're not processing a caloric load from them, don't you want to know what's going into your body? Right. Don't you want to have, you know, have a sense of it so that, you know, if you see things like it, it's amazing to me, because like, my, my biggest advice to people, whenever they say like, I'm doing keto and it's not working. And I'm like, okay, well, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, break it down for me because I don't know what that means because doing keto means 500 different things to 500 different people. And I always, it always will come down to, I'm like, well, you know, for the next week, track your total carbs and see where your total carbs are at. Like track them, see what that looks like. And then kind of then come back to me and like, let me know where, what you find out. And you'll see people who think they're eating 15 grams of carbs a day. Cause that's the net carbs they're eating, but they're eating 150 plus total carbs. And it's like, maybe if you were to pull that down, like, and I even say to people, I'm like, if you still want to do net carbs, do net carbs, but also keep an eye on the total, like set another number that's higher for total. And you're going to see what happens because when the, the philosophy of net carbs first, it was in, first introduced, it was to help people get people to eat more vegetables was the premise. You know, the idea of this, this vegetable has a ton of fiber, you know, eat more of this, you're eating, you're not really eating as many carbs, like all of that. And it's gone from encouraging people to eat whole foods to how many things can we pack into one? Like, I feel like at some point, I'm from the number of times I've said this on this show, I'm probably going to get sued by the smart sweets people. But if you look at smart sweets, the gummy candies, the sheer amount of, of soluble corn fiber and other, maybe it's not soluble corn yeah. fiber. So someone's going to attack me on ingredients. And they use the maltitol too. They don't use maltitol, but you'll look and their total carbs on a serving is in the neighborhood of like 50 grams and it's 48 grams of fiber. And it's like, okay. And of course my numbers might be off. So if I'm off, like, but it's, it's a similar ratio. Like, of course you have those and you have to go to the bathroom. Like you, if you were to take a laxative, you're it's, it's dumping that much fiber into your body. Like, I think the, the point, you know, we could, we're, we're rambling a little bit, which is, is completely good. But I think the point that you're making is this idea of wellness, this idea of overall wellness and that you need to eat in a way that your body actually feels good. You know, and I talk to people about that a lot when someone says, well, I want to reintroduce this into my diet, or I want to reintroduce that into my diet. And we talk about, you know, what does that mean to do that mindfully? You know, mind, what that, that means is instead of just reintroducing it because you want to reintroduce it and you white knuckle through the fact that it drives intense cravings for you, or it gives you bathroom issues or an upset stomach every time you eat it, you know, all of those things. Be mindful and sit down and say, okay, when I eat, I really want to have this in my, di in my diet, but when I eat it, I feel like garbage. So am I going to choose to continue to eat something that makes me feel like garbage? Or am I going to be in that more mindful place of maybe I should approach this differently and maybe I should eat something different. Like it's that whole idea of want versus need. You know, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. Great. But if it doesn't turn out the way that you, you know, you ideally want your body to function then maybe, maybe consider saying, I don't need to do that. You know, it goes, it, it plays into the whole idea too. When you talk, there's so many different schools of thought when it comes to like food addiction and people will talk about, okay, you know, don't do a restrictive diet because then that's just going to make you want to binge on things more. But you know, like in, when I see someone post, like I see a nutritionist post on Instagram, you know, keep, I, you know, if Haagen-Dazs ice cream is the thing that you binge on, Keep it in your house and have it whenever you want to have it. And yes, you might binge on it a few times, but eventually you won't want it as much. And I'm like, I'm like, I used to keep Haagen-Dazs ice cream in my house, Haagen-Dazs ice cream, Reese's peanut butter cups, Chips Ahoy cookies. I used to keep as many of them in my house as I wanted to. 
and I never, ever got tired of eating them. Right. You know, there's no way burning that out. I just don't think actually works in practice. They're designed to be addictive, like Mm -hmm. cigarette, like, you know, we could talk about this till we're blue in the face for sure. Like, I also believe that like a a package of Oreo should like come with a health warning label like cigarettes or, you know, a two liter of Coke should come with a health warning label like cigarettes. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea, so, I mean, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, and like I see it, and, and I see it with you know, in my job with kids, like, and not that, not that all of the kids they're giving it to are obese or have obesity issues, but still, you know, there's a place at my, at the school I teach at that's like a safe space for kids where they can go and talk to counselors, and if anything, they're if they're feeling any type of emotion and they need to kind of talk it out. They can go to this place where there's three or four counselors there waiting to talk to them as well as some of their peers. If they want to talk it through with like kids their age, it's great. It's a great place, but like I see them bringing in chips, cookies, this, that. So you're already associating feelings with food for these kids, whether they're fat or not, you're not like, it's not good. Like you cannot have kids going through emotions and then being like here, have a Snickers. Like it's not, this is not how this works. And I mean, that's basically a Snickers ad campaign. You know, you're not yourself exactly. without a Snickers. Like, what does that even mm-hmm. mean? That's... Mm-hmm. And, and I know there are people listening who are like, well, you know, I ate half a Snickers every day and I lost my weight and I did this. And it's like, well, great. That's awesome. But what we're talking to, about is realizing you have a different kind of discipline. Exactly. Is that it's a different thing for different people. And that's the hard thing I, I think, you know, can be for us sometimes too, is like this idea of, you know, even when we're making choices that are not in line with what our nutritional goals are, it can come from that place of this isn't a strange thing to eat. This isn't a strange thing to do, you know, getting pizza, getting McDonald's, like those aren't things, you know, there's a reason why there's thousands and thousands of franchises. There's a reason why those things exist. People are doing this and it's about realizing what is the impact of it on me? You know, what is, and and that's something that's easy, especially when you're, you're in that place of not feeling like you want to prioritize your health or prioritize food in a way that's healthy for your body to just be in that place of, well, I don't care about what I'm doing for me right now. Like I, I'm in this place of, I know I'm doing, you know, that's the harder part. Like, I think, you know, we talk about, you know, mindless eating at the end of the day. Like I, I I don't necessarily even think that it's mindless. I think it's, we're making a choice to allow that to be what's happening and okay with okay with the consequences and okay. You know, there are times where, you know, I've had, I've had binge moments or relapses where, you know, and when I finally have talked to friends about it, they're like, well, why didn't you say something to me? And I'm like, well, I know that if I talked to you that I would have started to have rational thoughts and you would have stopped me, you know, you would have stopped this from happening if I, if I had reached out to you and they're like, well, that would have been my goal. And I'm like, well, in that moment, that's not what I wanted, you know, and as a human being, I think that's what we also realize, like getting away from idea. What is it? Let's I'm, now my word is my word is not going to come out properly. I was about to use the wrong word idolizing or, you know, putting up on a pedestal, this idea of perfection, you know, and realizing that like, you know, we have this place of wanting to be perfect. We're not always going to be perfect all the time. And we're not always going to follow that straight line. And when Sometimes we give ourselves, we're a little too okay with it, I think is something that we could, you know, we would probably both agree with, but sometimes it's also about saying that that happened and I'm going to move on to the next choice. 
you know, because I, I think something that I talk with people about a lot is this idea that when we do have those episodes or make those choices or go down that path for a while, like we then choose to beat ourselves up. You know, it's this idea of just like, let me just beat myself up. And I think that that act of beating yourself up, that act of demonizing yourself, it makes it worse. It enables it to continue. Because if you start to see less value in yourself, why are you going to make choices that, you know, reflect valuing your, your health and your life? Like why, if you don't care, then you're going to not, you're going to care even less. So like that, those are the moments where it's like, I need to fight to care. You know, I need to fight to, to realize that I am worth this. You know, I am worth the struggle. I'm worth the hard times and I'm worth the hard choices. And that's not always fun and it's not always pretty. And sometimes when you, when you tell people that, they're like, well, that's not easy. And it's like, well, you're, you're dead on. You're dead on that it's not easy. And is it, is it fair that one person has this struggle and another person doesn't? It's not even about discussing whether something's fair or not. It's about accepting yourself where you're at so that you can do take the actions and make the changes that you need to make. The fucked up thing, though, Gormy, that at least that I think, like once you're in the, let's say, the switch is on and you're like you're making all the right choices, which I've done. Like when that is on, that feels just as easy as the other thing. It really does. Like you know, it it feels like how have I not been doing this the entire time? Like once you get out of that one or two or three, you know, whatever your body, you know, t- it takes for your body to get over that hump you know, that one or two, three month white knuckling of it, let's say, once you get over that, like, and you're in a rhythm and you're like, you know, you're, you're doing whatever you, whatever it is, your diet is like, you know, there's people who lose weight on low fat diets. I'm not saying, you know, everything, you know, different strokes for different strokes, but when you're different folks, but when you're eating, you know, the diet you want to be eating and you're going to the gym and you're, you know, you're doing all of the right things that feels just as easy as when you're, when we're, you know, for at least for us, or at least for me, you know, when we're eating like, oh, you know, here's a mistake, here's another mistake, like, both things feel just as easy. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And it's, it's building consciousness around that, that's the challenge. You know, it's, it's allowing yourself to know that you've done something before, and that it'll feel just as good when you're back there. Because sometimes I think when you're in that place of, of make, not making great choices or putting weight back on or not going to the gym or stuck in that rut or being lazy or those things. The big thought is it's going to be too hard to get back to it. It's too hard. And it's like, well, I know that if I do a little bit of hard, it's going to get easier. I know that I'm conscious of that. Like, and you have to remind yourself. And sometimes that takes like physically reminding yourself, like writing it down, you know, writing down how you feel after you, you know, like I, one of the things that I think is, you know, really important, especially for people that struggle with these issues is to get into a habit of journaling and journaling around how you're feeling about food and how you're feeling about what you're eating and and those things. And if you do that, when you're in that place of whether it's binge behavior or just making poor choices, you know, be actively mindful of, of how you're actually feeling. It's hard to ignore it. You know, it's easy to, you know, allowing it to be something that we ignore is what allows it to continue. It's putting it in front of yourself every day. How am I actually feeling right now? Like, where's my energy at? How is, you know, how am I digestively feeling? All of those things. Like, how do I feel after I eat? What are my emotions around food right now? Like staying in that place of mindful consciousness Mm -hmm. is one of the most powerful tools, I think, when it comes to writing the course of the ship that you're on. Right. And I agree. And it's that, again, that's the same thing. Like, it's just, 
it's hard to get on that ship. But like once you're once you're sailing across the Atlantic, you're sailing smooth. There's no you know there might be some storms, but you know you can fight them off. It's just, you know you're just constantly on the on on a on a sailboat. I agree. Um, kind of lost my what I was going to re- rebuttal with, but I agree. Like it's just it's a it's a um, the once the again there's only so much hard that you can do, and then it eventually it will become easier. And I like I know that going in. Oh, the journaling. That's what I wanted to mention. My bad. The journaling. I, that's something that I struggle with. Like I just can't get over the hump of like, what am I going to do? A diary? You know, like the 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 t- you know hate to use this phrase, but the toxic masculinity of like, what am I going to do? Write in a diary? And I know it'll help. And I've, you know, um, shout out to my friend Kevin, who uh, who also worked at the CrossFit gym that I went to that helped me lose this weight. You know, he's also suggested journaling. Everybody has suggested some sort of journaling. Like, and for me, it's just like, I can't get over that hump of like, dear diary, this, this, and this, you know, and I'm sure some people experience that. But for me, it's like, that's, it's, it's hard for me to get over that hump of like, you know, this isn't necessarily the, again, it's another one of those hard decisions where it's like, this isn't necessarily the thing I want to do. Which I honestly have a, have a response to that. Like, and I think one of the ways, because I always want, I was one of those people. I always wanted to be a journaler. Like I would buy, I would see a journal at a store and be like, this is going to be the journal where I write my life story. Like, this is going to be the book that I use. This is going to be the one that changes my life. Like, and then I would buy them and then just put them on a shelf. And I had like an entire bookshelf of empty books that I never wrote in. And I had someone recommend to me once the five minute journal. And I'm like, what is it? Like, so it's a book where basically it gives you, you know, there's question prompts. It's the same questions in the morning, the same questions in the evening. You take two and a half minutes in the morning and two and a half minutes in the evening to do it. And what I found was having a set prompt when it comes to journaling makes it feel like something else. It doesn't feel like I'm sitting down and saying, dear diary, I'm answering actual questions. And for me, how that evolved was I went from answering and the questions that, you know, the the five minute journal asks are along the lines of you wake up every day and what are three things I'm grateful for? What are three things that are going to make today great? Um, And I think then they also have you write like a self-affirmation. And then in the evening, you write about what are three successes I had today? What are three things that I'm going to do differently tomorrow? And you get into that habit. So, using- yeah, I've, Go ahead. I was, I, I, I did that for a short while when I was trying to get back on the horse after I say, I would say after I put on 30 pounds rather than where the 50 I'm at now, I was doing that through my buddy, Kevin. He was essentially making me text it to him, kind of being like a sponsor. And it was really, it was working. But again, you know, for me, I should, you know, our lives both got kind of in the way and I stopped doing it and you know, he stopped checking in. I, I wasn't paying him or anything like that. It was just a friend thing. Like, you know, no fault of anybody, but like, it's, it's the same thing with the eating. It just falls in rhythms. I definitely am into it though. I like the idea of it and it definitely made me more accountable. And like, there is a little bit of a, 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 a de-stressing effect with it, at least for me too, where it's like, I'm not beating myself up over bad decisions when I do something like that. Where it's like, uh, you know, like we said, where that beating yourself up leads to even more bad decisions because you feel that lack of self-worth. So it did feel a little bit better doing that. So I am going to take your advice on it. I'm going to 
I'm assuming there's some sort of app with it or something like that. But right now I feel like that's something I definitely can use and hopefully like, you know, I could stick with it and follow through with it. And what I was going to say was too, is you can evolve it and adapt it to yourself. Like one of the things, you know, cause I, it's the five minute journal is a book you buy. You can look at either using their questions, which, you know, I guess is, is not great because you're taking money from someone for something you're not paying for. But so I always encourage people to at least, you know, kind of buy one, one, one version of it and, and move from there. But the other thing you can do is create the questions for yourself, you know, even on like a, a Google sheet that's on your phone. And instead of feeling like you're sitting down to write a journal, you're filling in boxes on a Google sheet every day. And so it feels Maybe it feels a little more like an app or it feels more mechanical or it, the, and the questions can be personalized for yourself. Like think about what are the things that I need to be asking myself every day that are going to help me stay on track. And so for some people that can be about gratitude. That can be about those kind of heady, bigger concepts and things along those lines, like big picture things. But for someone else, it might just be, how did I do today with food? How did I move my body today? And how do I feel about that? Like, Make it something that, you know, don't be afraid to personalize things. Like don't, you don't always have to use, it's the same thing when, excuse me, when it comes to like an eating plan, don't be afraid to find the eating plan that's going to work for you personally, you know, and you know that like, so personalize these tools. Like if, if the idea of having to sit down and do undirected writing is scary for a person, use some, use some writing prompts. The other thing is like, if you Google journal prompts, there are thousands of websites that are going to come up with ideas of, of questions and things. So if someone's sitting out there saying like, I don't even know where to start, start there and look into like finding like different pieces. And, you know, and if you're, there are journals that are specifically directed towards men and journals that are directed specifically towards women. And, you know, if people are faith-based, there's things like find the tool that's going to work for you though. And like, don't be afraid to use the tools that you need. Like, and I think that's the, the bigger piece is like, it's never, you know, when someone goes through one of these cycles of, you know, kind of being, you know, and, and in a recent episode of the show, I talked about, you know, the idea that I, I, I think there's one track, there's no on track or, you know, off track. It's either we're making the choices we need to be making, or we're making other choices. Like if you're trying to get back to that place of making the choices, you know, you need to make, what are the things that are going to help me do that? Like even just sitting down saying, this is how I want the track to be going. What are the things that I need to be doing for that to reflect there? And every day I'm just going to do a checklist of these are the things that I need to be doing. These are the things for me that are going to keep me there. And if you start to see that you're moving away from it, being able, being willing to say, what do I need to do to pull myself back to this, to get back into that practice? Because it is like the gym. It is like eating a certain way. Like it is something that eventually becomes like a muscle that you build, you know? And I think I, I say it all the time, you know, mindfulness is a muscle, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when I'm working with a client around on mindfulness and I'll say, so one of the things I want you to do before you eat every meal is look at your plate and say, why am I eating this? And answer that question in your head. And they're like, on the days where they're struggling, that question helps. On the day right. when- I'm when eating they, this to feel better, or I'm eating this to feel better emotionally rather than you know, or, health Or I'm eating this to fuel my body, and this is the right meal for me. And you know, like they, like they can be conscious of that. But when things are going really smoothly, asking that question feels silly. Because it's like, well, I know why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because it's on my plan and it's what I need to be doing. And I'm moves, moves me towards weight loss and all of that. And I'm like, you still need to ask the question. Because it is during those hard times when you don't want to ask that question that it gets easier because you're still doing it. You're doing it regularly. And you have it in your head, I have to ask that question. So then you do are sitting there in front of that pizza saying, why am I eating this? Okay, let me be 100%. And I may still eat the pizza, 
But if I can sit there and I'm, I'm thinking about ordering a pizza and I'm like, why do I want to order a pizza? Let me be honest with myself and be 100% truthful about why I want to do this. Does that feel like a valid reason to make that choice? And sometimes you're going to say, yep, it sounds valid. You know, and then sometimes you're going to say, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I should make a different choice. Let me find a choice that falls, feels more in line with how I want to be. Right. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And like, again, you know, we say this and like, I definitely, for me personally, absolutely. Like it's more, and to do all of this, it feels like there is a, um, at least for me, and I'm sure for some people, you know, when you get to be this heavy, like we've been, there is an all or nothing aspect. So like, you know, I try to think of it as a switch and like, but, but you said like switch is always on, but it's just the decisions you make to whether it be like, if there's a light, it's not an on or off almost. There's a, there's a light dimmer to it. Oh, for sure. And I, it you goes back I mean? to, you know, we were talking about before we started recording, you know, the title of the episode that you were on, you know, I ended up calling it from our discussion, you know, progress beats perfection. And that's something that is just a hundred percent accurate. Like it's, it's, it's become cliche at this point, but sometimes things are cliche because they're true, you know, helping yourself, you know, moving yourself forward, even if you're not moving forward at the pace or the step with that you want to move yourself forward at, you know, is still moving yourself forward. Like when, you know, you see all the time, you know, one of the recommendations that you're going to see, you see all the time from, you know, especially from trainers and people online, you know, is, you know, if you're getting started with physical activity, start with steps and, and start with, with 10 to 15,000 steps a day. You know, that's a, that's a nice, and you'll see people literally say, that's a nice, easy goal, you know, 10 to 15,000 steps a day. Simple. Every person can do that. And it's like, well, if you look at your, you know, the, the health app on your phone and it's telling you that you're normally taking 500 steps a day, 10,000 steps is going to feel un, un, unreachable, you know? So if you then say, okay, for this week, I'm going to do a thousand. Let me go for a thousand. And I think what happens is we say to ourselves, yeah, but everyone else is doing 10,000. So if I do a thousand, is that even worth doing? I guess it's not worth doing. I'm not even going to try it. You know, the same thing, you go into the gym for the first time and you pick up, you pick up dumbbells and you realize that to do that curl, you need to use the five pound dumbbells, the 10 pound dumbbells. And you see everyone else is using the 30 pound, the 45 pound, like all of that, you know, even the base workout, you know, you, you, you Google basic gym workout and it's like, do, do 10 reps with 25 pound dumbbells and you pick up the 25s and you're like, my shoulders are about to fall off. Yeah, no, don't, don't, exactly. don't, don't put them down and leave the gym, you know, pick up a lighter mm -hmm. dumbbell. Yeah. Do, do, do what you can do where you're at. And, but look for progress, say to your, you know, it's, and, and I think we also do sometimes have this, this willingness to not challenge ourselves, you know, so we do a thousand steps and we become, you know, it's challenging at first. And once it becomes easy, it's like, well, a thousand's easy. I'll just keep doing a thousand. It's like, well, no, now that this feels comfortable, let me go for two. Let me turn that two into four. Let me turn those five pound dumbbells into those 10 pounds. And let me feel good about that. Let me, let me actually start to like, realize that moving myself forward, even in smaller increments, it starts to feel good. You know, it starts to be something that gives you that positive feedback that you were getting from somewhere else before, because it was easier to get it from food. You know, getting that same positive reinforcement from these other challenges, it takes a little more work, but you realize in the end that you're worth that work. Yeah. And I agree. And I want to throw this out there and I don't want us to, you know, uh, 
there is like a, you know, when I got down to, let's say the 245 that I was at, you know, it's like, oh my, you know, I'm working out every day. I also, real quick, I'm, I'm my, I want to respond to a bunch of things, but I also don't want people connecting the dots like, oh, he did CrossFit, he got hurt. No, I was also 400 pounds before I did CrossFit and I was, you know, walking around with that weight since I was about, you know, 15, 300 pounds, all that stuff. So that's number one. And number two, it's also because, you know, I didn't stretch enough or I didn't, you know, properly prepare myself to do a CrossFit workout rather than I would just jump in. So I don't blame the sport and I don't blame the gym I was at for anything that happened to me at all. You know, it's ever, you know, it's all on me for not properly preparing myself. And again, I really do think the injury started when I was a kid. I've had back problems since I was in high school. So, and that comes from carrying this weight around. So I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, well, CrossFit got him hurt. Look what happened. No, no, no. Like if you're, if you're interested in doing CrossFit, do it, get in that gym. If you're someone who, you know, needs a group environment or, you know, likes to make friends when you work out or something like that, do it. Do it, do it. Don't even think twice about it. Do it. Like, don't be afraid to step in any kind of group fitness class or any kind of gym, like, because you may get hurt. That's not, that's and, not how this works. And I would say go back and listen to episode 23 of this show where you were on, because I, th- I think you talked very passionately about what that experience gave to you and what, what it meant looking forward and, and all oh, for of those sure. pieces. Like, I think that's a good, a good resource for people. Oh, for sure. And I've made lifelong friends from that gym that I still, you know, still see to this day. Um, and, th- you know, here's another like struggle that I've been dealing with. And I'm sure some people who listen to this are in the food service industry. I, st- I still am. I don't deliver pizza anymore, but I had friends from the gym who opened up to a local coffee shop in town. And I ended up, uh, you know, hanging out there a lot because they're my friends and I wanted to support their business. And then I wound up cooking there. So, um, you know, like I made a, I made a life, I have a lifelong friend from that gym and friends from that gym. And, you know, I've gotten a, I've been able to get a job from it. So like, there are things that happen in these CrossFit gyms that have nothing to do with fitness that I would say, you know, if you're thinking about it, just do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great advice. So I still think that, you know, I still feel very passionately about CrossFit. They've had some changes recently you know, with the pandemic and everything, but, um, there's a hundred words in CrossFit that has to do with like working out, but there's also a couple words in there about nutrition, you know, eat meat, vegetables, some fruits, uh, very little starches and no sugar. That's written in the like CrossFit, you know, mantra, let's say there's a hundred words in CrossFit and that's one of, that's like a sentence in there. So I think that's solid advice. So yeah. Nick, let's, we, we would, I, I feel like we could talk passionately about all these topics for another hour. We've been talking for a mm-hmm. while. I don't want to keep you all day. What are, what are then the things that Nick is focusing on right now? Um, small steps, small bites, just trying to, you know, every day, if, you know, last night I made a bad decision. So because I made a bad decision last night, I tried to make a couple of better ones today. I haven't been going to the gym as much. So I'm trying to get there and Again, it's hard because I was at such a level of like the way I was working out and the intensity of which I was working out. The fact that I can't really get there without necessarily putting my body at risk is annoying and going to the gym and feeling like I've completely regressed is frustrating. 
So I'm sure some people have experienced that too. So I'm just trying to get over that. Like I said, I made a bad decision last night. Went to a comedy show in Philadelphia, which is about an hour from where I live. Made a stop on, made a late night stop on the way home. Didn't I? Uh, mindless. Uh, let's say, you know, I made that decision. I should say, as we spoke about, I made that choice. I didn't have to, but I did. But I was like, you know, I I said today, like I gotta make up for it. I was able to get to the gym, did thirty minutes on a stairmaster, felt a lot better. You know, small bites is kind of what I'm focused on. Not right. not trying to take it as all or nothing as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Which I I think is a maturation a maturation in the process. Like I I think everyone comes to that point. Like I think the all or nothing is is very much something that we a lot of us throw ourselves into in the beginning, and it's about finding how to make your goals congruent with your life and feel sustainable and achievable and, you know, all of those great things. So I think that makes a lot of sense, man. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, this was good. And, uh, you know, let's, let's try to, let's, let's do maybe, let's try to improve ourselves here. Maybe a hundred episodes next time before I come back on rather than 155. I like it, man. Or we'll have you come back on around, you know, when we, when I cross over into the two hundreds, you know, Oh, for sure. And I love the fact that you keep going and, you know, I see that you're expanding followers and getting expanded listeners. It's, it's awesome to see you have a bigger audience. It was, um, I don't go to, I didn't go to a keto com, but I saw that you spoke there and it's just, it's cool to see, you know, your growth, socially as well as you know physically and all of that stuff well i appreciate that man if people are listening and they want to keep up with your with what you're doing man or just reach out and talk to you about these things because they've gone through it themselves where do they find you so i don't actually i think it's cpnrm 7215 on instagram but i i try to keep an, an anonymous low profile in there i'll post on my stories here and there but if you want to message me on there or on facebook um, definitely feel free to, and I'll answer any questions about CrossFit, about mindset, anything, you know, that you might be like, oh, you know, this is someone I can relate to. Let me reach out, reach out or, you know, hit up Gourmet and I'm sure he'll give you my information as well. I have no problem with that. I'll take any, you know, I love talking to people. I can't get enough of it as to begin with. So I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you uh, taking the time for me today. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see where you're at. You know, when you get to the 200s, you know, I'm excited to hopefully next year, Keto Con Smartens up, gets the tech you need and do a live show yeah. there. Well, it's got nothing to do with them personally. So, oh, OK, my bad, my bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was about about my arrangements. But so anyway, man, I, I just want to say a big thank you for coming back on and, and talking to us where you're at right now. You know, I think it's important for people to hear, you know, people's stories as they continue, because like we said, like these journeys never end. So checking in was was fantastic and i appreciate you taking the time man i will put nick's contact information in the show notes and if you do want to try to track him down you can do that you all can of course find me on instagram as well at gourmet goes keto on twitter at gourmet goes keto you can email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com and i'm i'm realizing we didn't do the fat guy five but i feel like you did it a version of did you do the fat guy five the no first i don't tell on? me let's do it let's do let's it do it let's do it I'm, I'm remembering i'm like wait a minute i don't think i started that to like the this wasn't a thing 40, yeah, no. so it didn't exist so we're gonna go through the fat guy five now with nick and then we'll i'll do my sign off so nick right. question number one of the fat guy five tell us living or dead who's your favorite fat guy uh chris farley and I think that's a common answer on here, I would assume. It's very much a common answer. I mean, I judge, especially I, I'm 31 years old. I, I grew up say. on Tommy Boy. 
Like you're in the you're in the age group that that's going to give me that answer, man. I I understand. I understand. If I was older, I would probably say John Belushi. I'm sure there's you've had some guests say him. Oh but yeah. Instant first instant first answer is Chris Farley. Question number two, Nick. Tell us what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you. That it's not a it's not a it's not a you're you don't I you're not fat. Meaning like. Yes, you are a big person, but like you don't have to identify as fat. That is not a way of being. It's not a permanent state. I think when you hear people like talk, like especially when I was that weight, like I'm going to be this way forever. No, you're not. And I, I see that a lot. And I hate to say this in younger people, like I'm fat and I'm proud. Like, okay, you can enjoy your, you know, you could be happy in your own skin, but know that it doesn't, it's not good for you. Like you, it's not an identity. It's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a race. It's like, it's, it's not something that's permanent. Mm-hmm. Understood, man. Understood. I like that answer. Question number three, Nick, you were talking about the small bites that you're taking. If there's someone out there who is either getting their journey started today or restarted, what's one concrete thing they can do today? Move movement. Move. Life is movement. Get out and move, whether it be a thousand steps or wherever you're at. Move more today than you did yesterday. I like it. Question number four, Nick. What is one thing about yourself that you love? Um, my uh, my outgoingness, my my personality. Like I like you know talking. I like getting to know people. Where you know, no matter who, I like. I want to hear your story, or I want to. I want to get to know you, no matter who you are. I like it, man. And question number five. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I'd like to save enough to buy, or I'd like, well, this is kind of a two-parted answer. I'd like to either A, save enough to buy a car, or B, save enough, save enough to be able to, I can't, like a newer car. I can't afford a car now, but because of the way the economy is and the inflation, it's outrageous. Mm-hmm. So I'd like the economy to flip to where I, to the point where it seems reasonable to buy a car. Right now is not that time. I'm driving a beater right now. Mm-hmm. Within the next year, I'd like to have something either new or relatively new. Well, sounds, I'll make some calls about the economy for you, Matt. I'll get that taken care of. I appreciate that. Yeah, if you could. There we go. So there's all the questions, Nick. Thank you once again so much for spending some time with me today in the show. I appreciate it. And I think a lot of people out there will, will appreciate uh, what you had to say. Absolutely, man. You rule. You keep doing it. And like, I, I'm so happy to see your growth. Well, thank you, man. And everyone out there, hey, remember, go out there, do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people that I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the very next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.